What's happening, food eaters? This is the Food Labels Revealed podcast with your host, Mel Weinstein, the self-professed prophet of processed foods. This is episode number 56. In the early days of this podcast, I spent a bunch of time talking about industrial ingredients in the processed foods sold in supermarkets, box stores, and convenience stores all over this country. Then I got interested in fast food and wondered if the same types of industrial ingredients would be found in the products sold in fast food restaurants. Of course, the answer was yes. For today's show, I continue digging into that subject by examining the worst of the worst, what I call freaky fast foods. They have really become a phenomenon in recent years. I will try to explore what that says about our society and why that trend will probably continue into the near future. I came across an online article entitled, The Number One Unhealthiest Menu Option at Every Popular Fast Food Restaurant. It was published by eatthis.com. Well, that was an overstatement since every popular restaurant was not covered in this article. The author limited their review to just 20 national chains, but that's plenty. I will not be talking about all of the food items mentioned in the article as that would take several hours and many of you, if not all of you, would be nodding off or clicking the stop button on your player long before I got halfway through. You can, if you want, go to the website to see all the items and their descriptions, but I will just be talking about four items from McDonald's, Wendy's, Five Guys, and Sonic's. I will be looking at both the ingredients and the basic nutrition facts. Before starting these examinations, I want to say a few things about how this information is obtained and how to interpret it. First, let's start with this rhetorical question. As a food consumer, are you legally entitled to know what ingredients are present in the food you are eating? The answer is, confusingly, Yes and no. If a natural food is not combined with other ingredients through processing procedures and is sold as is, then an ingredients label is not even required. For example, fresh produce or fresh meats don't need an ingredients label. But if an apple is processed into applesauce or fresh meat is cured to produce luncheon meat, then an ingredients label is required. Generally speaking, If a food is processed in some way, changed from its original form, and packaged into a can, bottle, or some other container, then an ingredient label will probably be needed. According to the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, the ingredients must be listed in order of largest amount to smallest amount. As we know, most food items purchased in a grocery store are packaged, and the majority of them do have ingredient labels. So, As a consumer shopping in a grocery store, you're covered in most cases. But what if you eat in a restaurant? In that case, all bets are off. You likely will be in the dark. There is no legal requirement for an individual restaurant or a restaurant chain to divulge what ingredients are used to prepare food items. Now, you might say... 
that when you look at a restaurant menu, you will see a list of what's in the dish, and that's true. For example, McDonald's Big Mac has beef patty, sauce, a sesame seed bun, and it's topped off with pickles, lettuce, onion, and American cheese. But what are the ingredients used to make those components? You may or may not have access to that information. Fortunately, there are some fast food restaurants, and McDonald's is one of them, that voluntarily provide consumers with ingredient lists, but you may have to dig for them online or personally request that information in the restaurant. However, the vast majority of fast food chains do not provide ingredient lists, and rarely will you find a hometown restaurant sharing that kind of information. So, most of the time, when you walk into a restaurant and order something off the menu, you will have no idea what ingredients are in the food you're consuming and whether that food is healthy for you or whether it may contain allergens you could have a reaction to. However, there are exceptions. If the restaurant has some commercial product that they sell directly to consumers, such as a tasty barbecue sauce or a scrumptious Cinnabon, then the product would be subject to the national labeling law. What about nutrition information? That's somewhat more transparent. In 1990, the federal government passed the Nutrition Labeling and Education Act. That law spelled out particular requirements that every manufacturer of processed packaged foods must follow, including the use of the nutrition facts label that we're all familiar with today and pretty much take for granted. Every packaged food with a contents label must include the most important nutrients, such as the macronutrients like fat, carbohydrate, and protein, various micronutrients like sodium, vitamins, and minerals, and lists several health adverse components such as cholesterol, saturated fat, and sugar. Also, the energy content or caloric value per serving has to be printed on the label. Later, the contribution of each nutrient to a daily requirement expressed as a percent was added. This we know as the daily value, referred to as the DV, based on government statistical measures of humans' nutritional needs, known as the Recommended Dietary Allowances, or RDAs, or Adequate Intakes, the AIs. An arbitrary energy consumption of 2,000 calories was used as a standard. This value was based on the energy needs of an average young adult woman who exercised moderately every day. So, for example, if you saw the value 10% DV next to the fat content on a label, that would mean that a single serving of that food item would provide 10% of the fat needs on a 2,000 calorie diet. Got it? Of course, people are not all created equal. So the energy needs of males and females differ, the sizes of people matter, and age will make a difference. The DVs on the labels were meant to be estimates and not real world figures because of all the differences among people. But it was better to have some indicators on the label rather than nothing at all. So food eaters could have some idea about the amounts of key nutrients consumed over a day's time. 
Now, I don't know if people really ever utilize DVs to track their nutrient intakes. I suspect not much. I've never met anyone who has talked about using them. Of course, nowadays, there are smartphone apps that calculate total daily nutrient consumptions based on food servings. So I would predict that in the near future, the DVs on labels may disappear. What about restaurants and the disclosure of nutrition information? Well, compared to ingredient listings, that information has become more transparent. As of May 2018, certain chain establishments with 20 or more locations and serving similar menus must provide caloric and nutrition facts. The information must be prominently displayed on menus and menu boards and, upon request, must be provided to patrons. Fast food restaurants also must comply. If you search out the website of any fast food chain, you will likely find a nutrition section which provides the same information that's revealed on the Nutrition Facts label of packaged foods. However, as stated earlier, you may or may not also find the ingredient listings. Sadly, most will not reveal those. Since I want to cover some nutrition facts and talking about freaky fast foods, it would be helpful to list the standard values for the various components with the exception of vitamins and minerals, which I won't be talking about at all. It's difficult to find a single source that provides daily recommendations for intakes or limits of food components. So the following list is compiled from several sources like the federal government, the FDA, WebMD, and Mayo Clinic, all based on 2,000 calories per day diet. So let's get started. Total fat uh, supposed to be limited to 65 grams. The saturated fat, 20 grams or less. A trans fat, well, there's not supposed to be any trans fat because that uh, was kind of forbidden by the government uh, a few years back. Cholesterol, as expressed in milligrams, 300, no more than 300 milligrams per day. If someone has a pre-existing condition of heart disease, then that would be 200 milligrams. Sodium, expressed in milligrams, 2,400 per day on that diet. Protein, 50 grams. It's lower for women and higher for men, but 50 will take as an average. Total carbs, 275 grams. Sugar, and this, according to the FDA, is supposed to be added sugar. That is sugar added by the manufacturer to the food and that value is 50 grams, that's about 12 teaspoons, or 10% of the calorie content. You should note here, when we're looking at 50 grams of sugar, uh, if you drink a 20-ounce glass or cup of Coca-Cola, that contains 65 grams. And lastly, dietary fiber expressed in grams, would be 30. Now, typically the requirement is lower for men and higher for women, so 30 is kind of like an average. I need to say a few more words about protein. There is a misconception by many people in our society that the more protein consumed, the better. That's false. 
Macronutrient consumption needs to be balanced. Moderation is essential for good health. Too much or too little of a nutrient can be harmful. In the case of protein, a typical recommendation is 10% of the daily calories. Let's do a little math. So for a 2,000 calorie diet, 10% is 200 calories. For protein, there are 4 calories per gram. Dividing 200 by 4 gives 50 grams, which is what I mentioned earlier. So on the standard diet, a recommended daily consumption for protein is 50 grams. Now think about it. 50 grams is less than 2 ounces. Of course, that number will vary according to individual needs, but it's not likely to double or triple. Needless to say, if you're a bodybuilder trying to add muscle mass, then your protein needs will be higher than average. But most people today eat way more protein than their bodies need. Let's look at the selected freaky fast foods that I want to discuss in this program. First up is McDonald's Big Breakfast with Hotcakes. According to McDee's, this meal satisfies with both sweet and savory. It consists of a warm biscuit, savory hot sausage, fluffy scrambled eggs, crispy hash browns, and golden brown hotcakes with a side of real butter and maple flavoring. Sounds like all the usual items found in an all-American breakfast assembled together on a single plate. I've never ordered this meal, but it sounds kind of complex. But knowing how McDonald's operates its restaurants, I would bet that workers slap this meal together within a few minutes. What is the caloric load of this breakfast? It is 1,340 calories. Based on the standard 2,000 calorie daily diet, this one meal would take care of 67% or about two-thirds of your caloric needs for the day. Of course, that assumes that you don't order anything else to accompany the breakfast. So that leaves only 660 calories for the rest of the day. Good luck with that. Turning our attention to ingredients, uh, let's look at each part of the meal. The biscuit has 27 ingredients. The hash browns have 11. The hotcakes have 24. The syrup has six. Note that real maple syrup is not including, it's just the flavoring. The scrambled eggs have two. The sausage has eight. The salted butter has two. The clarified butter has one. And finally, the salted whipped butter has two. The grand total is 83 ingredients. That's a bunch of ingredients. Of course, a number of them are used more than once so it's informative to know how many unique ingredients are in this meal. Eliminating the duplicates, triplicates, etc. gives 52 unique ingredients, or 63% of the total. Another measure to note is how many of the unique ingredients are significantly processed or industrialized. That value is 37, or 71%. This innocent-looking and probably incredibly tasting meal is exceptionally industrialized. What that means is that the majority of the unique ingredients are made in factories and are either synthetic 
or significantly altered from their natural states. In previous podcast episodes, I have delved deeply into ingredients providing information about their identity and why they were in the food, but there are just way too many ingredients to get into those kinds of details. If you want to see the whole list, just go to the McDonald's website. Suffice it to say that many of them fall within the following categories. Fillers, texturizers, emulsifiers, leavening agents, sweeteners, flavorings, colorants, stabilizers, and preservatives. Most of these chemicals you would not find in the typical American kitchen. There are no new ingredients that I haven't seen before in processed foods. So let's uh, turn our attentions to nutrition. Uh, Here are the facts for this McDonald's breakfast. For fat, we have 64 grams. That's 98% of the uh, recommended amount. Saturated fat is 25. That's 125%. And trans fat, there's a half a gram. As I said before, there shouldn't be really any. Cholesterol, there's 505 milligrams. That's 168% of the suggested value. Sodium, 2,090 milligrams or 87% of the daily value. Total carbs is 155, that's 56%. Dietary fiber is 6 grams, that's uh, 20% of the daily value. Total sugars is 48, which is 96%. And lastly, protein comes in at 35 grams, or 70% of the uh, daily limit. Notice the amount of fat in this meal, 64 grams. It's almost 100% of the daily recommendation. If you look at the ingredients, added fats and oils show up six times, not to mention foods that are naturally fatty, like cream and pork. For many years, based on epidemiological and research studies, we've been told that not all fat is created equal. Saturated fat has been linked to artery disease for a long time, and that's why it's specifically listed on the Nutrition Facts label. In this meal, the saturated fat exceeds the recommended daily amount. That's in just one meal. Now add two more meals plus snacks for the day, and you can imagine the excessive amount of saturated fat in that diet and the cumulative effect on the vascular system over time. Along the same lines, we have cholesterol. That's not a nutrient in our diet. There is absolutely no requirement for added cholesterol. Our livers make that stuff, so we don't need to consume it in our food. All dietary cholesterol comes from animal food, so people like vegans don't consume it, and if they are not junk food eaters, vegans can lead very healthy lives. Cholesterol is a very necessary biochemical for human health, but excess amounts in the body are not good. In the McDonald's meal, there is a 168% excess. That's dangerous. Sodium is an important element for health, but like other nutrients, too much is not a good thing. The daily limit for sodium 
on a 2,000 calorie diet is 2,400 milligrams. If that value is equated to salt in the diet, then the limit would be 6 grams of salt. That's just about 1 teaspoon per day, not very much. In this meal, 87% of the sodium limit is reached, and that's just for breakfast. Note that salt is not the only source of sodium in this meal. Sodium is contributed by the following additives, sodium bicarbonate, sodium aluminum phosphate, and sodium steroidal lactate. Salt, just regular salt, shows up in seven places on the ingredient list. Dietary fiber is listed on the nutrition facts label as a carbohydrate source since chemically it's related to complex carbs, but by definition, fiber is not digestible. In both soluble and insoluble forms, fiber plays a key role in the health of the digestion system, the absorption of key nutrients, and the elimination of wastes and toxins. Sadly, it gets woefully ignored by the average American. Fortunately, it is a nutrient listed on food labels, so its consumption can be tracked. Many health experts believe that the recommendation of 25 to 35 grams per day, lower for men, higher for women, underestimates the real need for optimal health, which some nutritionists and doctors claims should be more like 50 to 60 grams per day. In the McDee's breakfast, only 6 grams of fiber are provided. This is typical for fast food, which usually is deficient in fiber. The next category to examine is sugar, which, like cholesterol, is not a nutrient. It can serve as a flavoring agent or a preservative, but added sugars are not essential for good health. The body can acquire the requisite glucose for energy by breaking down complex carbohydrates in food. We don't need soda, energy drinks, beer, or wine for that purpose, so the consumption of excess sugar can be detrimental to health, not only because of the unneeded calories leading to weight gain, but as we know, sugar adversely affects dental health and can lead to a metabolic condition called fatty liver. The engineering of fast food requires the presence of three things, sugar, oil, and salt to satisfy consumers' appetites and to keep them coming back for more. So most fast food usually has significant amounts of sweeteners in it. Looking at sugar in restaurant food is more challenging than in packaged foods because we only see the total sugar content and not that part of it which is added sugars like cane sugar, dextrose, and corn syrup. It's the added sugar that we need to pay attention to. In my analysis of sugar content for the foods in this episode, I can only calculate the total sugar, so I will be overestimating the added sugar in all cases. For the McDee's breakfast, the daily value was 96%. Although not completely accurate, that value still tells us that this meal provides a huge percentage of the sugar limit for the day. Lastly, the protein for the meal comes in at 35 grams, or 70% of the daily recommended amount. Adding two more meals and snacks could easily throw the total protein for the day over the recommended limit. Most people 
could probably handle small excesses of protein, but overconsumption on a regular basis could lead to kidney damage. Also, some types of cancers are related to excessive consumption of animal protein. The next freaky fast food to look at is Wendy's Pretzel Bacon Pub Triple Cheeseburger. It's described as three-fourths pound of fresh beef with warm beer cheese sauce, applewood smoked bacon, smoky honey mustard, crispy fried onions, pickles, and a slice of Munster cheese loaded into an extra soft pretzel bun. What is the caloric load of this sandwich? 1,520 calories. Yeah, 1,520 calories. Based on a 2,000 calorie diet, this amounts to 76% or about three-fourths of your calorie needs for the day. Note that this meal does not include fries and a drink, which would easily put you at or over the caloric limit. Now, you only have 480 calories left for the remaining meals and snacks. Ouch. For the ingredient section, here's the breakdown. The hamburger patty has two ingredients. The beer cheese sauce has 49. The smoked bacon has 6. The smoky honey mustard has 32. The fried onions have 26. The pickles have 10. The mustard cheese has 5. And the pretzel bun has 42. Yes, you heard me right. The bun has 42 ingredients. The grand total is 172 ingredients. What? Yeah, I said 172 ingredients in this one sandwich. Removing all the repetitions uh, leaves 83 unique ingredients, which is 48% of the total. Of the 83 unique ingredients, 39 or 47% are significantly processed or industrialized. So about half the sandwich contains ingredients made in factories. Once again, I'm not going to evaluate 83 unique ingredients. I don't see anything in this sandwich that warrants special attention. As I've seen in the past, most of the manufacturers of fast food select from a pool of common ingredients to create their products. Many of the ingredients are functional. They are present to convey some quality to the food, such as preservation, eye appeal, mouthfeel, stability, or taste. Looking at the nutrition profile, here are the facts for the Wendy's sandwich. There are 106 grams of fat. That comes to 86% of the recommendation. Saturated fat is 45 grams. That's 225%. There are 4 grams of trans fat. Of course, as I've said, there shouldn't be any in there for good health. There is cholesterol, 250 milligrams, 83% of the recommendation. Sodium comes in at 1,910 milligrams, that's 80%. Total carbs, 53 grams, that's 19%. Dietary fiber, uh, there's 3 grams of it, that's 10% of the recommendation. Total sugars is 7 grams at 14%. And finally, protein, there's 89 grams of it. Uh, and that's 178% of the recommended amount. 
Once again, fat plays a major role in this meal. The 106 grams of fat equals 3.8 ounces. Saturated fat makes up 42% of the total, plus it has the 4 grams of trans fat, which is even worse for cardio health. Ideally, there should be 0 grams of trans fat in any food. However, the FDA rules allow any amount under 0.5 grams per serving to be listed as zero on the label, so you can never be totally sure that the processed food you're eating is free of trans fat. Again, the cholesterol at 250 milligrams is out the roof, and that's just for healthy individuals. People with pre-existing heart disease are limited to 200 milligrams, so with that figure in mind, the daily value is 125% for those people. The sodium content comes in at 1,910 milligrams, and as expected, uh, it's a very high. Salt shows up in 13 places. Sodium appears in the following additives, sodium diacetate, sodium erythrobate, sodium sorbate, sodium nitrite, and sodium citrate. A little bit of a chemistry set there. The dietary fiber content of 3 grams is meager and doesn't help much to reach the daily recommended amount of 30 grams. Surprisingly, the total sugars at 7 grams are actually pretty low for a fast food, but sugar does show up in 7 places. Makes sense that people who eat hamburgers are not interested in consuming sweet hamburgers. Other sources of sweeteners in the sandwich include brown sugar, dextrose, and honey. Lastly, the protein content is huge. The 89 grams greatly exceeds what a typical person should be consuming in a single day. The third freaky fast food, a side order, is the Five Guys Fries, large serving. This is a huge portion of potatoes. 587 grams, which is about 1.3 pounds. That's a meal in itself, although not very well balanced. This food item is actually just french fry, so it's pretty conventional and honestly doesn't quite fit the freaky category, but it's still worth talking about just because of the calorie count. The caloric value of this side order is 1,314 calories, or 66% of the daily limit of 2,000. The ingredient list is simple, just potatoes, peanut oil, and salt. From a processed food perspective, that's not bad. From a heart health perspective, that's another story. Here's the nutrition profile. There's 57 grams of fat, that's 88%. Saturated fat, there's 10 grams, that comes in at 50%. One gram of trans fat, zero cholesterol milligrams, that's good. Sodium, there's 1,327 milligrams, and that's 55%. Total carbs, 181 grams, that's 66%. And then there's dietary fiber with uh, 21 grams, comes in at 70%. The total sugars, 7 grams at 14%, and finally, the protein amount is 20 grams, uh, and that represents 40%. So far, this is the food with the best nutrition profile, but its main issue is the fat content. 
57 grams is a bunch of fat in just a side order. If you combine this item with another dish, like a hamburger, the fat total would be over the top. The fiber content at 21 grams is incredibly good. For it to be that high, five guys must be frying the potatoes with the skins on. It's interesting to note how high the protein value is at 20 grams. All the protein is coming from potatoes, so you may not have realized how much protein there is present in that vegetable. The fourth and last freaky fast food that I will address is the Sonic Oreo peanut butter shake, the large size. Sonic describes it as real ice cream mixed with rich peanut butter and Oreos into a thick and creamy shake, finished with whipped topping and a cherry. The energy content in this single beverage is 1,720 calories. Woo! That's several hundred calories higher than the second place finisher. The percentage of the daily recommended amount for calories is 86%. Now, Sonic is an example of a restaurant chain that does not share ingredient information online, so I cannot report anything in that respect. Here is the nutritional data. There is 104 grams of fat. That's 160% of the limit. Saturated fat at 48 grams, and that's 240%. Two grams of trans fat, 190 milligrams of cholesterol, which comes in at 63%. Sodium, expressed as 1040 milligrams, that's 43%. Total carbs is 172 grams, or 63%. Dietary fiber is 4 grams, or 13%. Total sugars, that's a big one, 111 grams, and that is 222%. And finally, there's protein at 30 grams, which is 60%. Can you believe that this shake has about the same amount of fat as Wendy's triple cheese burger. At 48 grams, a saturated fat is off the charts, a real heart attack maker. And the 190 milligrams of cholesterol doesn't help any. Also, for a drink, it's very high in sodium at 1,040 milligrams. Then there's the total sugar content. At 111 grams of all the sweetness came from cane sugar, the equivalent would be 4 ounces of sugar, quarter pound. That would be the same as drinking two 16-ounce Cokes. In summary, let's examine what's been learned about freaky fast foods. Fast foods in general follow the SOS principle. They are chock full of sugar, oil or fat, and salt which is essentially sodium, SOS, that stands for sugar, oil, salt. Those are the basic ingredients that human appetites crave. It's a biological given. However, in days of old, it was unusual to find foods that maxed out the SOS ingredients. But nowadays, thanks to the processed food industry, those foods are readily available, cheap, and come disguised in many forms. Self-control becomes a problem when every small to large city in America has the omnipresent fast food establishments and convenience stores. 
What's a consumer to do? The average person, although it may be buried deep in their brain, knows that the majority of fast food is bad for their health. But through marketing, social pressures, disconnects with personal food preparation, and food addictions, it's all too easy to succumb to the fast food sirens. Knowing this, the industry can step it up a level to concoct even worse foods. Ollie talked about four of them, but there were 20 mentioned in the Eat This article, and those were just a small sampling of the whole industry. These freaky fast foods are not incidental. They are highly planned over a period of years. Manufacturers design these foods very carefully. Having worked in the food ingredient industry for over 20 years, I know how technical and research-based these food innovations are. A team of professionals are involved, from food scientists, technicians, chemists, food tasters, market testers, etc., not just in the mother company like McDonald's, but also in their suppliers. It takes a freaky village to create a new freaky fast food. A fast food company does not introduce a new product lightly. It's both costly in time and money. So when you see a Wendy's Pretzel Bacon Pub Triple Cheeseburger, you can be assured that the company did its homework and knew, prior to launch, that consumers would go for it. But why are fast food consumers so easily sucked in? First, it's the exposure due to the sheer numbers of fast food establishments and the massive amount of advertising. According to Statistica, in 2018, there existed about 247,191 restaurants. That's an increase of about 30,000 over the previous decade. Fast food is taking over the world. The big three players are Subway, McDonald's, and Starbucks. Just those restaurants alone account for roughly 22% of the industry. On the revenue side, in 2018, the fast food industry took in $256 billion. Whether we like it or not, these eateries are in our face all the time. Second, it's our cravings. The sugar, salt, and fat draw us in. I grew up that way. My food memories don't include reveries of leafy green vegetables and broccoli, but they are full of chips, candy bars, pastries, sodas, fruit, beverages, and sugary cereals. I learned to eat and love those foods. Then those tendencies followed me into adulthood. Fortunately, I, I started to pay attention to my food habits in my 40s, and they slowly began to change. Better late than never. But cravings and habits are strong beasts, so it's an ongoing and continuous work. The latter are easier to change than the former. If we're sufficiently conscious, bad habits can be replaced by good ones over a relatively short period of time. But cravings slash addictions can be more challenging. For that, our biochemically driven behaviors must be addressed, which involves our gut, and our brains, that is the dopamine drive. The science of cravings and addictions is complicated and way beyond the scope of this podcast. So I will just recommend two books to read on these subjects. Dr. Robert Lustig is a practicing endocrinologist and researcher who has spent a great deal of time trying to understand food addictions and metabolic disorders. Although a bit technical, I suggest reading his book entitled 
fat chance beating the odds against sugar, processed foods, obesity, and disease. For problems of food addiction, I recommend the book called Food Junkies, Recovery from Food Addiction by Vera Tarman. Regarding freaky fast foods, we won't see the end of them anytime soon unless food eaters stop buying them. But people won't stop buying them until they first become aware of the harm of such foods and then take control over their eating habits and cravings. To all the listeners in podcast land, old and new, I appreciate you tuning in. If you have a little bit more time, I'd greatly appreciate a five-star rating at the iTunes Store. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their show notes at the hosting website called Podbean. That's at www.podbean.com or just by Googling Food Labels Revealed. And, of course, you can always listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet by downloading a podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you have a question or comment on anything about food ingredients or this podcast or just want to say hello, drop me a line at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's foodlabelsrevealed, all one string, at gmail.com. Also, I have a Facebook page related to the podcast. There, I post news stories related to food ingredients, processed foods, and food trends. Just search in Facebook under the title, Food Labels Revealed Podcast, and please give it a like. Until later, remember this. If you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece is called Merry Go, composed by Kevin McLeod.